Hello there and welcome to Community Life. Here we talk with the community experts about their life journeys and learn from each other. And today we have a conversation with Heather Wendt, who knows how to bring the maximum value to customers through relationships and empathy. A mother of six, no. two sons, three cats <laughs> and a dog. The cam girl and a great person to have an open conversation with. So hello, Heather. Hello, Yuri. I was like, well, did I put something wrong on one of my channels? <laughs> it's so fun, but that's, yeah, that's exactly how it meant to be. And you know, the first time we met on at Between Two Watercourse, I remember that I called you Heather and you was like, Heather, it's like weather. And I was like, yeah, exactly. Thank you very much. So what was the funniest or the most annoying way somebody ever pronounced your name? Oh, goodness. I think that Heather is probably the, the more common. Um, I don't know that there's been a lot. It's in the U.S. anyway, it's a pretty familiar name. Um, I did have somebody from another country tell me that they'd never heard of a girl named Heather. And I've never heard of a boy named Heather. So, <laughs> um, But otherwise, it's yeah, it's 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 fairly normal. I did have some I did have a lot of Heather. Heather, how's the weather? Why are you wearing leather? you know, types of things in elementary school. But other than that, did, it's a good name. <laughs> so fun. Did anyone, you know, wrote a rap song to you or anything like that? No, I can honestly say I've never had a rap song written about my name or to me. And that's okay. I have written some songs from when I was teaching, but. Tell me more about that. <laughs> so I taught chemistry. And it's a, it's a tough subject for, you know, for students. It was a tough, tough subject for me. I never saw myself teaching chemistry or doing anything with chemistry ever again after high school. And I taught it for a little over a decade. So I did everything I could to make um, class fun. And one of the areas we talked about was gases. And there's a standard unit of measure that sounds like a radio station. It's 101.3 KPAL, KPAL. And so um, I made it a radio station and then came up with song names. You know, is it the Alanis said, isn't it ironic? I changed to, isn't it ionic? <laughs> <laughs> and um, chemical girl instead of material girl. And I just came up with, you know, really random, weird song title changes that, you know, would be on my radio station. It's so fun. I was thinking that you literally created a song to help people oh, to learn. I'm not that smart. And chemistry is really hard because there's not a lot of rhyming words there. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, because, you know, I was sometimes I was thinking like, I know so many songs. Like there are so many lyric texts of lyrics in my mind. Like, why don't nobody do this in teaching? Like, I can imagine I can know everything by just, you know, remembering the songs. But yeah, so it's still way to go. Yeah. So three cats and one dog. Who was first and why? Out of the group we have now, it's cats were first. We lived in an apartment and dogs were difficult um, because you'd have to take them out you know, frequently and they get bored. There's not a lot of space, but cats don't care because they make their own space. Um, and so we started out with cats of the group we have now, which one is oldest? We have one of our cats 
His name is Ratchet. My kids named him way back before that became a, a term that was a that's a street word now. <laughs> urban urban definition that isn't nice. Um, so, but he's fifteen. And then um, our one of our dogs is next. He's six. Then we have a two-year-old cat, a one-year-old cat, and a six-month-old puppy. <laughs> so. Okay, so I missed there are two dogs. Two Got dogs. it. Yep. And how did others join? Well, the last kitten and the last puppy were Mother's Day presents two years in a row. Um, we lost, so last fall, almost a year ago, we lost um, a, a, one of our dogs. And mm. she was a dog that I had wanted since I was in high school. And we bought her, she's a, you know, a cold weather dog, a Northern breed, a Samoyed. Mm. And uh, my husband bought her for her, for me for Mother's Day many, you know, 14 years ago, 14 and a half years ago. And I ended up showing her, I, I she became a champion in the show, you know, from the show ring and did all kinds of different events with her and bred her twice. So had two litters of puppies and I'm still in contact with all the owners and, wow. uh, you know, she just, she hit the end of her life and we lost her last year. And our six-year-old dog was very pair bonded to her. They were, you know, dogs are fairly big pack animals. Some are more so than others, but our, our, um, our dog that we have now, she's, she was um, also very human driven. So we were like, well, maybe this won't be a big adjustment. Maybe she'll be okay with, you know, her, her human pack and <laughs> dog. But she really, you know, we, we travel a lot. Um, you know, we're, we do a lot of home projects and things like that. And so we're not always at the house and we decided, you know, we started talking about, you know, I think, I think she needs somebody to help her stay active. She's a mini Aussie and they are very active dogs. <laughs> they need to be very active or they are, they get into lots of trouble. And so um, we ended up getting this puppy and yeah, now the two of them, keep each other very occupied in addition to the, you know, what we do with them. So how, when they met, how it was uh, actually really easy. They're related. So we got them from the same breeder. Mm. They're uh, actually aunt and nephew. Um, same, same mom and dad for the, for my girl and his mom. And so, um, yeah, they actually, they actually went and got, you know, adopted each other very quickly. I so. wonder if they really thought that, oh, hey, nephew, hey, aunt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But they definitely, you know, they, they definitely are um, friendly dogs. So they're not, they're not a territorial breed. They don't tend to do better by themselves. So, mm. yeah. And I think because it was a puppy, you know, the, my girl is the alpha <laughs> she's kind of the boss and you know he's he's the mischief maker and the one that keeps her on her toes so you told that you wanted to have Samoyed like for a very, really long time so why did you want to have it when I was in high school um between my junior senior year I worked at a veterinary clinic I volunteered mm. because I thought I wanted to become a veterinarian when I got out of school and so I worked at the vet clinic to get experience to see if that was the path I wanted to go on 
and they did boarding as well. So when people traveled, they could bring their animals in and then we would, you know, play with them, love on them, um, feed them. And then before they went home, we'd give the dogs a bath <laughs> so they didn't smell like kennel. Mm. And um, a Samoyed by the name of Sonny, I still remember his name all these years later, um, was boarded. And so I got to give him a bath and there was just something about him. There was just something about his personality and the way he looked and the fur is super fluffy and very soft. And I was like, I want one of these. And so I bought books on Samoids. That was back in the day before, you know, you can re research it all online. And I studied them and, and that's what I wanted in my, when we moved here, I didn't really, I didn't ask they're expensive, you know, they're a, they're not a breed that you can get for a couple hundred dollars, you know, down the road. Um, and so, you know, it was like, okay, well, one of these days and yeah, that mother's day, my husband surprised me and I had not planned on ever showing a dog that was not on my radar, <laughs> but the woman, the breeder that we went to for the pup, um, we met the puppy litter at four weeks old. And every week we went and visited and hung out for an hour or so. I helped her clean the, you know, the little kennel, the little space that the puppies were in. And we just all sit down in the, in the airy with the pups and let the pups crawl all over us and play it's you know it's socializing so it's really good for the puppies and we talk and she convinced me to give showing a try so yes most fun and frustrating thing I think I've ever done in my entire life because it isn't all about me and my skill I have a you know a sentient creature at the end of the leash who doesn't always want to cooperate Oh, it's uh, it's it's you know it's both funny but also hard. I I was thinking like about like what do you have to do to really go to a show and to you know I feel like it's like mission impossible to train your dogs that way. But how <laughs> how did it feel for you to prepare for shows and like to do all this stuff? Well, it's definitely a good way to build a strong bond with your dog and to have a very well trained dog. Um, in the ring, there's not. It's not like agility and things like that, where you're teaching them to hop over things and run through on command. But there's there's a lot of dogs all over the place. You know, they're in the ring with them and they're at the side of the ring and they're barking. So there's a lot of energy, a lot of activity. And then, you know, you, your dog has to be focused on you because they need to run when you need them to run. They need to stand still. They need to let the judge touch them so mm. that they can you know feel structure underneath the fur. And they can't, you know, they can't pull away and they should just be there and on and everything in the ring. Outside of the ring, she was a dog. You know, she was just part of our family. We took her camping, hiking, all kinds of things. She got messy in the rain and when she'd go out and roll in the mud and, you know, we did not keep her in a crate all the time so that she wouldn't mess up her fur. She was a dog. Um, 99% of the time, but we'd get in the ring and, you know, her, the, it would change, you know, she would be focused on me. So a lot of classes that were geared around mimicking what it was like in the rings, both for me and for the dog. Um, so that they would get used to all those, all those other dogs around them and not, you know, get all overstimulated and, and things like that. She was not a big barker, um, except in the ring. <laughs> because she knew in the ring, I couldn't, you know, I have, I'd use a squirt bottle and tell her no, because Sammy's have a pretty sharp high bark and it's ear piercing. Um, and so we'd get in the ring and she would just bark and there was not, uh, yeah, she was like, haha, you can't do anything about it. 
They are very sassy dogs. <laughs> oh my God, it's so fun. And what did you learn through all this journey? I hope that I learned. I don't know. Um, I learned it, but whether I've applied it, those are two different things, right? That um, <laughs> it, it's okay when things don't go like I planned. Um, it's okay when your dog decides to run the the opposite direction of you and not listen to you at all and hop instead of, you know, the nice pretty glide and not stand still. It's okay to not win and not yeah. understand why you didn't win. Um, because there is no feedback. You don't find out why the first place dog got first place and why you didn't make the cut at all on one ring. And then another one, you take first place. Um, you know, I also learned that it is a strongly bonded community. Um, those people, there are some, you know, there are some people that probably shouldn't be in dog showing. There are some not nice people, um, First show I went to, I was by myself. My mentor wasn't there. Um, and his, she was at a different show. And I had a woman come up to me and and tell me that, that I should not, they call it bluing. It's basically, it's what I think older women do to their gray hair in the old days. Mm. And it it's supposed to whiten white. And she was like, you're not allowed to do that. And you're going to get kicked out. Well, I hadn't. I used exactly what my breeder and many other breeders used. I didn't even know what bullying was. And she just mm. said that and walked away. I didn't know who she was. She didn't know who I was. And it was like, I'm already nervous, right? You have to get in there and you have to listen to what the judge is saying. And you don't want to be the idiot that's running the wrong way, <laughs> doing the wrong thing and your dog's out of control and all of that. So you know, that stuck with me that it doesn't, you know, it can, it, small a small thing can make a huge difference. And so make it positive. Don't make it negative. I feel like she was one of your competitors, you know, and she was like going to every other dog and like telling some crazy stuff. So people are getting nervous and then act weird. So yeah. I, I, I bet it was part of the plan. <laughs> <laughs> Could very well have been, but it never, never left me. I never... You know, it's it's hard to get started in something where people have been in it for 20 and 30 years and you're the new person and you're still learning the ropes. And for somebody to come up and, you know, you they don't say anything nice. They don't welcome you. They just tell you something that's not even true. It, it was mm. like, why would you why would you waste your time doing that? That doesn't make any sense to me. You know? Yeah. So, you know, I feel like people are still people. So <laughs> they are. let's start from the beginning. Tell me about your parents. Who are they? Sure. So they were both teachers. Um, my mom was a second grade teacher. My dad was a high school English teacher. Um, they were, I mean, they were great parents. Not perfect, but then who is? <laughs> um, I was a difficult child. I was very <laughs> headstrong, very headstrong, had very strong opinions. Um, and gave my parents a run for their money, I'm sure. Um, but you know, we had, we did all kinds of trips around the U S we did a lot of camping together. Um, we played games, you know, ate dinner, ate meals together every day. So very, very close family. Um, in fact, we moved, my husband and I moved to Colorado 15 years ago and my parents followed three months later and mm. lived half a mile from us. And we're still close. <laughs> so, yeah. 
Yeah, we still go over now that they're older, we help them with things around their house. And we just a couple of weeks ago went down to New Mexico with them to see Carlsbad Caverns, which is a really big cavern system, national park here in the southern part of the U.S. And um, yeah, just we still do all kinds of stuff together. Sometimes even camping. <laughs> so fun. But and you told that they were not perfect and you was not the easiest person. So do you think that you are not the easiest because they were not perfect or they were not perfect because you were not the easiest? I think that they were separate from each other. So I don't <laughs> think one caused the other. I think I was, I just am pretty strong-willed and I have, you know, like I said, strong opinions. And if you're going to ask me to do something or tell me not to do something, I want to know why. Mm. And it should be a good reason. And if it's not a good reason, then I'm going to have a problem with it. And how did you know if it's a good reason or not? If it made sense, if it was reasonable, um, <laughs> if it was reasonable. So we went, you know, we went to church as a family and back in the day, dresses were more acceptable for women in church. And I was middle school and did not like dresses anymore. I was a pretty big tomboy And I, I didn't want to wear dresses. And so I had, you know, a nice pair of slacks and a nice top and nice shoes. And I put that on one Sunday morning. My mom came in and said, you'll wear a dress. And I said, why? Because that's what you do. And I said, that's not a good enough reason because I don't think that that's right. I don't think that I have to wear a dress. So I'm not going to. And she said, you will wear a dress or you will go to church naked. And I said, fine, then I'll go to church naked. I wore pants that day and she never pushed me to wear a dress again. <laughs> so you were to you went to church in pants. Yeah. Slacks. I mean, you know, dressy pants, not not holy not jeans with rips in them or you know anything like that. They were they were nice. They were respectful. So, yeah, I, the, that was the that was the point. Why do I have to wear a dress? There is no reason. It's just what you think, you know, it's your opinion. It's not mine. So, yeah, I, I kind of pushed buttons and I would have gone to, I, I knew she'd never take me to church naked. So I knew there was no danger of, you know, going to <laughs> church with no clothes on. Um, but, you know, I, I would have pushed it pretty darn far, I think. <laughs> I can't imagine. It's, it, you know, like, yeah, it's, I, I totally, I totally understand both sides, you know, because it's always hard when your when your parents are telling you to do something, and then like as you told, it's not reasonable, so it totally makes no sense. But you know, the, the funniest thing that it makes sense for them. So I feel like very similar, you know, in like human relationships when somebody is telling like do this and like why should I do that and just do it. I I feel like it's it's a lack of this communication, you know. So. And yeah, I totally agree that sometimes parents are definitely, you know, not listening or just it's easier not to listen because why should you listen? Like it's it's a kid they have to follow, you know. Exactly, exactly. Except when there's leverage. Was it was it like the let's say the last situation when your mom told you to do something like in that way, like ordering, or did she continue? 
Um, probably continued. I mean, that was the way they were raised, right? You know, you're, if you were a kid, you did what you were told and you didn't question your parents when they were young. And so that's, you know, that's the method they used and um, it didn't quite work. Plus they weren't, you know, back in those, the early days, I think um, there was a lot more physical um, backing up the if you didn't do what you were told, there was, there were physical consequences to that. And, you know, even, even when I was young, there was still a little bit of that, but it wasn't the same. And so, you know, I mean, I, I got smacked on the, you know, on the rear with a wooden spoon. Um, and then, yeah, late elementary school, I did something that I knew I was going to be in trouble for. And so I hid all the wooden spoons. She never found them. And never found them. She had to buy new ones. So, <laughs> did you bury them? No, I just hid them really well in a closet underneath, in a box somewhere. I don't know. So I was like, "Yep, not not today, not today." <laughs> so then she goes to cook, and there's nothing. Enough, enough is enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I knew it was that was that was when I was sometime in elementary school, and um, so you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that I, I do think a lot of, you know, just a lot of the the way parents disciplined back then was was based on how they were raised. And it was a very different world, for sure. So no, it wasn't the last time we clashed. We don't anymore. I've grown up and, you know, learned to be a little more reasonable and learned to not always have to have my way. And she's learned that there are better ways and plus, you know, we're in a different stage of life. So mm-hmm. I parent them Do you... parent me <laughs> now. Yeah, yeah. It's... But, you know, it's, it's always a question if parents are ready to be parented. Because, right. like, no, they can't teach me, you know. Like, it's, it's, it's a bias of... I feel like it's something very similar I have with my mother. Because I'm telling her, you know, like, that's how I feel. That's what it is. And she's like... Oh, okay, whatever. So basically like, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm 34, whatever. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. when you're older, I'll listen to you. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the second, and the second sentence, you, you will always be a kid to me. So, ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. It's so fun. But do you like, what, what is, what is different in your, uh, re- what is different in how you are raising your children? I think that a lot of the, I guess, the rules, the expectations that we had for our two boys um, when they were in the house, they're both grown now. So um, they don't live with us any longer. They bought a home together, our two sons, and they live just down in town. So about 20 minutes away from us. I think that the bigger piece was to pick battles. Is it really important that they do, you know, if I want them to do this, is it really important that they do that? Is that something that's critical for their growth and their well-being? Or is it just because it's easier for me? Mm. Um, and to recognize when when it's important and when I when I need to hold the line and when I can relax it because it's really not that important. So how do you and- recognize that? I think I, I, I don't know. I don't think I have a magic formula for it. It's just in the situation and it's like, stop and think, is this critical? Is this just me 
wanting this because I want this, or is this because it's good for them? Mm -hmm. And it will help them to become, you know, productive young men, know how to self-regulate, know how to, you know, be adults that contribute to society and aren't, you know, out there causing trouble <laughs> or, you know, not, not taking care of their business. So I think, you know, there were, it was just take a step back and look at it from a, you know, from a distance instead of from being in the middle of, you know, my kids saying they don't want to do this. And that reaction that happens when somebody tells you no, especially when they're not, when they're younger and you're in charge of them and, you know, you're the one guiding them. And so to be able to take a step back and distance yourself from that and really look at it and say, do I need to push this? Is there a compromise? Is there something else we could do that would achieve the same thing? Or, you know, is this just my desire and not something that's necessary for them and I can let it go? Yeah, and sometimes it feels so hard, almost oh, yeah. impossible. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's once the emotions start getting involved, especially as they start growing up and becoming a little lippier, you know, <laughs> um, I was not going to escape kids who pushed back because I was one that pushed back pretty hard for my poor parents. And so I knew mm. I wouldn't ex escape that. So, yeah, when the emotion gets going, it can be really hard because then you just dig in. Right. It's just that it's you. Be it becomes a battle of wills. And, you know, that was that was difficult for me to start recognizing that, okay, that's not developing solid relationships. You're you're ruling by force rather than having kids who, as they get older, recognize that, hey, my parents have my best interest at heart. I may not agree with what they're saying, but I understand that they're doing this for my own benefit. I may not want yeah. to do it, but I'm going to because they're looking out for me and they have my best interest at heart and they're reasonable. And I feel like sometimes it's so hard for children to understand that. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> because, because, because for me, from my experience, it's always like, you want you you want to do everything bad for me like you don't care right. about me you want to ruin my life and all this right. stuff no? that you don't understand me at all exactly exactly yeah. Yeah. you don't understand life this isn't how life <laughs> is anymore you know and it in the right in a lot of ways life now for the for our kids very different from the life we grew up in very very different but i have adult children now and they are you know, they still enjoy doing things with us. Um, they still listen to us. You know, they come to us for advice when things are happening at work or with relationships. And, you know, so I, I think that what we did raising them, I think that that worked. Of course, I still go to my parents and we'll talk with them, you know, about things. And I don't feel like some of the decisions made were reasonable. I felt it was like, that's, you know, to keep up an appearance or, you know, it was, it wasn't for the right reason, but I still have a really strong relationship with them and, you know, can still talk with them and joke with them and like to spend time with them. So um, my kids seem to feel the same way, you know, they're still in their twenties, so they're young. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> coming, coming back a little to you. So what is the first memory of your childhood that comes to your mind right now? My mom being sick and having to eat Sprite and crackers. She was pregnant with my sister. And so she had morning sickness and she was laying in bed 
eating, drinking Sprite and eating crackers. And I hopped up in the bed with her to have some too. <laughs> did you, did you enjoy it? <laughs> that, that part of it? Yes. The sister, not so much as a baby. She was a crier. So my parent, I was three when they had her. And my parents said that they would come into the room and she, my sister would be crying and crying mm -hmm. and crying. And I would be standing next to the crib with my arm through the slats, as, almost asleep against the rail, patting her on the butt so that she would try to go so I could get her to go to sleep. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I think while she was pregnant, it was fine. I think for the first few months, it was a little bit traumatic. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. And what kind of sister were you? Oh, gosh. We played a lot. I had a lot of games um, that I made up. And we would mm. play a lot. We would do a lot of stuff together. But I wasn't always nice. <laughs> I wasn't physically mean. Like, I was not one of those, you know, bullies that would pinch her and push her and hit her when mom and dad weren't looking. But verbally, I could work her up into a frenzy. Mm. Um, I could use my words and get her so angry that she couldn't see straight. Then she would hit me, and then she'd get in trouble. <laughs> so you were such a smart kid, you know? <laughs> so, like, I didn't start it, you know? <laughs> I, I, all I did is talk to her. Yeah. It, it, you know, most of the time we had a really good relationship. Um, she was, you know, she was three years younger than me um, and could be a brat. She would steal my clothes. She would steal, you know, if I got money for birthdays, it would disappear. <laughs> and we always knew where to go get it. And she was always surprised that we figured it out, you know. <laughs> um, but, you know, most of the time we were, we were each other's playmates a lot. I had a lot of friends, you know, I started a club when I was in elementary school with my friends and they had to pay dues to be part of my club. And then we would just hang out. I didn't have activities, but we would just hang out together, but they would pay me to hang out with me. So I thought that was pretty good. I feel like that's exactly how it works right now. You know, people are just gathering into clubs, just paying money just to hang out with each other. So <laughs> basically. Yeah, I just started it early. Yeah, exactly. And how do you feel about flying on the planes? Oh, love it. Yeah, what is uh traveling? What is what is like your the, what is your favorite part of flying on the plane? The knowledge I'm going someplace new. Honestly, it's it's not the plane itself. Once you're up in the air, you know, it's you're just in this metal tube. You could be on a train, you could be on a bus, except you're way up in the air. Um, and there's no getting off. There's no <laughs> you're not gonna get off and tell the pilot, hey, could you pull over to the curb? I'd mm -hmm. like to get off here. Um, I, I think it's just the fact that you're going someplace, either you're going to someplace new or you're, you're going back home afterwards. And it's just that part of the adventure that's super exciting. So yeah, I if, if I have a chance to travel, I'm all over it. And what do you usually do on the plane? Um, I'll read sometimes my husband and I will share, um, he has, if I have plug-in earbuds or he plugs in his headphones um we'll watch a movie together on mm. our phone or on our tablet um we've even on the planes that have you know movies in the seat backs we've even like timed it perfectly to start so we can both watch the same movie together even though it's on two different screens 
Um, yeah, it's, it feels like in this movie theater, you know, so basically. <laughs> exactly. And then we can laugh with each other over, you know, funny parts or, or whatever. And um, I don't really sleep on planes. I, I've never been able to. I don't know why. I think it's because of all the videos of people sleeping on strangers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be that person. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I don't really sleep very well. So I just, you know, I'll just read or um, sometimes I'll, you know, I'll bring something to work on uh, work-wise or something that I'm doing, a project that I'm doing here at the house that I could work on on the computer, something like that. So. I wonder why did you stop? Okay, so not not stop. Uh, why did you become a chemistry teacher if you wanted to be a veterinarian? I just when I worked at the vet clinic, that that was back in the day where um, casual euthanasia of animals was practiced. So if somebody just got tired of mm. an animal, they would bring it in and have it put to sleep. I couldn't do that. And then um, you know they would spay cats that were that had that were pregnant. And they bring the, the uterus out with kittens moving and just dump it in the trash. And it just became quickly apparent that that was not the career for me, that there was a, I love animals and mm. I love, I would love healing animals and helping animals, but there were other parts to the job that I would not be able to, to do well without a lot of emotional um, stress. And so I just decided that wasn't the direction I wanted to go. So the teaching part, I worked when I got done with college, I have a biology degree. I worked at a biotech company in San Francisco um, as my first job out of college. And in that role, they were doing training just one person at a time as they came onto the team and they would just partner them with somebody. I call it side along mm -hmm. training. I do like Harry Potter, mm -hmm. side along operations, uh, side along training. Um, And then they hired like eight people. It was the first time they had done a mass hiring and they had no way to train eight people. And so they asked me to build a training program, not because I ever had or because I had any particular skill set, but I had always showed myself to be willing to do new things. And so they asked mm -hmm. me to design a training program that would get them ready to come into the team and, and work effectively. And so I was like, sure, why not? I can do that, I guess, you know, never done it before, but why not? So um, I, that's what I did. I designed a training program. Um, I worked with our IT people for the tech and combined it with, you know, situational, you know, opportunities to practice in a sandbox um, explanation. You know, I had field trips. <laughs> I did field trips, you know, Um I brought in guest speakers from different departments in the company so they could explain how we all worked together and what the, you know, what it was we sold and why we were there just so that they would have that underpinning and not just walk in and learn the job, but have no idea how it relates to anything else within the company. It actually turned out really, really good. And I found out, and then I led it and I found out how much I enjoyed doing that and got a lot of feedback from my peers about, you know, hey, you're really good at this. And so I actually wrote a position as for a training, a training position at this company that didn't exist. And um, then I had my first child and was able to stay home with him. And so I left. But when I came back to visit friends a couple of years later, just to drop by, say hi, um, I found out that they had created that position. And that, you know, that I had started something that 
hopefully provided a lot of value to the company beyond what, you know, what they were having. And I absolutely loved it. So when it was time, you know, when my kids were a little bit older and I was ready to go back to work, I was like, what am I going to do? I think I'll teach. I really enjoyed Hmm. that training piece and corporate training wasn't something I knew anything about. And I lived in a smaller town. So there weren't really a lot of opportunities and remote was definitely not not on the table at that point. Um, So I decided to get into teaching. I would have taught biology. That was what I thought I was going to do. I was ready Mm -hmm. to teach biology, but there were no bio opportunities at that time. So there were chemistry. They were like, would you do it? And I was like, I guess. (laughs) Been a while since college and chemistry wasn't my strong suit, but you know, I mean, I did okay in college with it. Um, I was like, sure, why not? Ended up loving it. So um, yeah, ended up teaching chemistry. I taught intro chemistry for, you know, folks who didn't have the foundational skills to do regular chemistry, um, all the way up through AP chemistry, which is college. They can get college. If they pass the test, they get college credit for two years of chemistry or mm-hmm. a, full, a full three semesters. So a full cycle of chemistry, they don't have to take in college. Um, and I even wrote a new chemistry course and got it approved and taught it for a year before I left. So that one was focused on building lab skills because that was a gap in college. Talking about chemistry, you know, I see a lot of this weird, crazy experiments people doing on YouTube. So were you this kind of teacher who were doing always experiments or you were just writing this boring formulas and all this stuff? No, I would do demos as often as I could because they're exciting and it helps it helps them to visualize what's going on. Um, I also made up lots of weird stories that would help them relate the chemistry concepts to real life. And so I would, I would tell, you know, I would tell stories, make up characters. Um, what was really fun is that there was one story I told that was pretty extensive it was chemical reactions and I would tell high school drama, dating drama stories <laughs> around chemical reactions and the types that there were at the end of the year, I had students who remembered not only that I told those stories, but also the names of the characters, even though I never talked about them again. So, you know, six, seven months later, they still remembered the names of those characters because it made such a, you know, it helped them understand a concept that could be tricky. So yeah, I tried not to be the boring teacher. How did you feel while holding a baby bear? Oh, yes. That was actually really cool. Um, my best friend moved to Colorado. So my husband and I and our family moved to Colorado 15 years ago. My parents, my sister followed like two months later, my parents two and a half months later. And then three years later, my best friends moved out with their family as well. And so we started this thing that we've done now since then. So that's what, 12 12 years. On our birthdays, we do something to surprise each other. Hmm. So that year, out east of us, there was a animal sanctuary. And so we went out and we did, you know, we went out and looked at all the lions. They had lions out there. They had all kinds of really wild, really wild animals. Um, And we did the tour and everything. And then she had also... um, arranged to do photos with whatever baby animal they had that day. And it happened to be a bear (laughs) and it was a lot heavier than you would think. And the fur is really coarse. 
it's not soft. So, mm. but that was so cool to hold, hold a bear. And in the background, when we posted it on social media, I actually had people ask um, where the mom was and were we crazy? Because they thought we had done that in the wild at a lake. <laughs> it was like, no, 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 no. This was controlled environment. <laughs> we didn't just find a random bear cub. I can't imagine when you're somewhere out there camping and I'm like, oh, baby bear, why shouldn't I hold it? it. Exactly. <laughs> then I make YouTube because I'm eaten by the mom, you know. <laughs> That's how it always works. So you told about surprising each other. So tell me about more surprises you received. Sure, sure. So we've done a fancy tea and hike at a local little castle that we have. They do a really nice tea and she took me to that. Um, we've been to plays together. We've been, um, I've taken her horseback riding in Breckenridge, which is a ski resort and you know, her birthday's in September. Um, we've done some adventure type things where there's this huge swing off. You, you basically fall off of a cliff and then you swing across the canyon. So I took her on that. I tend to go more adventure. Um, train rides up in the mountains for fall colors or in the spring and just all kinds of just all kinds of different things. This last one I'm very proud of. Um, so we use the Southwest Airlines mm -hmm. a lot. Um, and I had travel vouchers where we'd gotten money back for various things. And I've earned a companion pass so I can take somebody with me on a trip for free. Mm. And so I flew her out to San Diego last week, <laughs> um, two Saturdays ago, and we went to the San Diego Zoo for the day. And then we flew back home all in the same yeah. day. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, I feel like it's one of the best retails ever. I, I feel like I also need something like that in my life. So, yeah, thank you very much for sharing that. <laughs> yes. It's a lot of fun. We we try to support. We try to do new things each year. Try to find something unique. Sounds amazing. And tell me about your sense of humor. How did you train <laughs> it? I don't know that I trained it. I just have a quirky sense of humor. I it's quick. Um, so somebody will say something, and I usually have something to a joke or something to say back. You know, not not normally a, a like an actual joke, but something funny to say. Um, my sense of humor is a little dark sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it, it's <laughs> it, it's just I, I think it's funny to to make to, to make jokes about things that most people don't make jokes about. Not inappropriately. You know, it's not I'm not cracking jokes at funerals. Um or anything like that so right time right place but yeah it's a little bit quirky so you know the joke around here with my friends and family is um be careful because i know how to hide bodies um so you know you want to stay on my good side um <laughs> and so it's the joke but the reality is i would never you know i would never dispose of somebody and and hide their body but i do i do know how to do it <laughs> good knowledge to have hmm. <laughs> and do you think you can you know make jokes with everyone or it's more like you know close people oh it's pretty much everyone um i worked with a gentleman 
a couple of roles ago. He was a, a corporate lawyer um, for our company. And he was one of those people that had a, a flat affect. You really couldn't see what was going on in his head. He didn't smile a lot. He was very, you know, he was just very business oriented. And I kind of made it my goal to try to make him laugh. And my crowning glory was we were doing some work one day and I, I like the old, you know, some of the old funny movies like Airplane. Um, I don't know if you saw Airplane, but one of the lines in there is, oh, I picked the wrong day to stop smoking. And then he goes down this litany of things that he stopped doing that are all really bad things to do. And um, so we were hauling a bunch of equipment around cleaning up an area and, um, you know, got hot and sweaty and I was wearing work clothes. And as I walked by him and a, a group of other people that were friends of mine, I just was like, whew, picked the wrong day to stop wearing deodorant. That's not true. I hadn't. But it was super funny. And my favorite part was he tried to be funny back. <laughs> and he was like, you could see him like, oh, I don't believe that. And he <laughs> thought that was really funny. So I had to laugh because it wasn't. But, you know, he tried and I got him to try. And, he, you know, so I, I felt like I had succeeded. So, no, pretty much it it, it doesn't matter if, if it's the appropriate, you know, if it's a, a time frame where people are relaxed and it's just chatting, then I'm probably going to try to say something funny they just kind of hit my brain. They don't always come out of my mouth. I do self-regulate. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you do if somebody doesn't understand your joke? It depends. That doesn't happen very often. Um, most of the time they do, because I'm not doing weird things. Sometimes it takes a minute, you know, sometimes it takes a minute for them to get what I just did, like a pun or something like that. And then they'll laugh, but If they don't laugh, then I just move on. So <laughs> <laughs> poker face and like nothing happens. Let's just continue. Exactly. <laughs> so fun. What kind of music do you like? Oh goodness. Um a decent variety. I'm actually a little bit more I have more breadth in my music because of my husband. He loves music loves music loves finding new artists and mm -hmm. so um he'll you know he'll find something that he likes he'll he'll you know buy it and download it onto his phone and then we have it in the car you know we have it hooked up to our car stereo um and so he, all this random musical play so you know i i enjoy i don't necessarily enjoy every song by every artist he finds but there's usually a few songs within you know at least that that i can sing along to and, and enjoy and so it's everything from you know 80s pop music that i grew up with um not to date myself at all but you know the madonna the michael jackson um you know duran duran is my favorite band and i've seen them in concert a few times and um so from that all the way up to um, Finnish, uh, what is it? Operatic rock. So bands like Nightwish, Delane, mm. some of those that are that heavy, kind of heavy metal with operatic singing to it. Um, listen to that. Devin Townsend is a, a new one that my husband's found recently. He's a Canadian artist that 
it just has this wild blend of of what he's saying. So, you know, some of the screaming kind of stuff and then ballads and it's just all kinds of stuff all over the place. So, yeah, you know, of course, Britney Spears, you know, you've got some of the the modern, more recent kind of pop music and, um, you know, Evanescence, just a lot of different stuff. So if you look at what's on my playlist, it's random. Kylie Minogue is, is one that um, we enjoy and lo I love singing too. So pretty much most of the time, if there's a, a song on that I know I'm going to sing, so... I feel like every artist you named, I have them in my mind, a lot of songs. So I totally understand what you are talking about. And I wonder what is more important for you in a song, the music itself or the words? Oh, gosh. Well, since most of the time I make up my own words because I don't I can't always tell what they're saying. So there are songs that I have sung since high school that I sing wrong <laughs> and I didn't know that I was singing them wrong. I thought it was right. My husband has a much better ear for that. And he's like, babe, <laughs> they're saying this. And I'm like, nah, uh -huh. and then I look it up and I'm like, oh, I had no idea. <laughs> so probably it's the beat. <laughs> I'll have to say, so it, I mean, you know, should be a good, a good story behind it. Good, you know, good lyrics, but probably it's the beat. And it feels like also a good way to always learn something new, you know, like after 10 years later, oh, that's what they were thinking. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. There's a funny meme out there that's like, man, I hate it when my favorite artist sings their lyrics wrong. Because you, you know, I think it's a different set of lyrics. And then I find out and it's like, why are they singing it that way? That's how they, it's not the right lyrics. My lyrics are that's the right no, lyrics. That's not how it has to be, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What was your favorite episode of Mythbusters? Oh gosh, I think one one of my favorite, one of the ones that stands out the most is when they fired they they did ballistic gel and then they fired bullets into it. Um mm. just to check like movie the stuff where you know they're firing bullets at people who are diving into water or different stuff like that, you know. It was really cool because they they did a whole different level from really small bullets like BB type things all the way up to like these massive things and what does it do to ballistic gel, um, which was pretty cool. So I used to play because I taught physics as well. Um, every you know if we were doing a unit where MythBusters had a really good episode on that particular concept, I would play that for the kids so that they could see it in action. Obviously, mm. there's no way I'm gonna, as a classroom teacher, be out there with a gun and ballistic gel and show them. So, you know, MythBusters handled it for me so that they can still see some pretty cool things. So explosions, you know, any those types of just dramatic things that let you see what's happening, how it's happening, and a good explanation of why it's happening um, is, is always fascinating to me, so. Yeah, I, I can think of like 16 episodes right off the top of my head. And it's like, okay, which one stood out the most? <laughs> I didn't see this episode. So I still wonder, so is it possible to survive if you are underwater and somebody's shooting on you? Yeah, the water actually slows the bullet way, way down. So it's not quite as, yeah, I mean, obviously, if they're using high-powered weaponry, um, maybe not so much of a chance, but... You know, as long as it's your normal 
run-of-the-mill guns. I don't know. Is that even a thing? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you have a pretty you have a pretty good chance of surviving. So not quite as yeah, not quite as deadly as they make you think <laughs> in the movies. Good to know. I also I also was always wondering in movies, you know, like the the smallest collision of two cars and like it's like blowing up and I'm like, really? They right. just hit each other a little what is going on? And then like <laughs> the magic so of Hollywood, right? It's it's much more dramatic if they blow up. Yeah, I can imagine, you know, like somebody is just going near your car, bumping it with a fist and like it's blowing up. So <laughs> exactly. crazy. Exactly. Anyway, anyway, what is something you found out recently and was like, no way it's true? Oh, gosh. Um, oh, we were just having a conversation last week about... Um, the word orient and orientate. So mm-hmm. I want to orient myself or orientate. Mm-hmm. Um, and which one is actually the correct word? It turns out both are. Um, the U.S. tends to use orient. Like, um, oh, hey, hang on. Give me a second. I need to orient myself so that I know how, where to go next or whatever. Um, but it actually means, it meant way back in when it was created it meant an easterly direction because of course they called our asian countries the orient at the time and so mm-hmm. when you oriented yourself then it was you were aligned you were facing east you were facing um wherever china and you know some of those countries that they were doing trade with back in way way back i don't even know um but it's changed over the years so now it, mm. it means to just align yourself with something orientate also means to align yourself with something without the what you're aligning to but it's more common in europe mm. and so i had no idea that there were different words for the same thing and while they both started out with different or- origins they both have morphed over the centuries to mean the same exact thing so anyway, that's some, that's something new that I didn't know. You know, for me, it also sounds like more like orientation because like orientation and all the stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really it's really interesting. Do you learn languages? I ha- I I sort of do. It's not super. It's not a supernatural like. It just makes sense. I have to practice it a lot. But um, Duolingo, the app. Haven't done it recently, but I went for almost a year doing Spanish, Mm. which I had done in high school, which made it a lot easier. Um, I remembered a surprising amount of the language, even though I wasn't using it on a regular basis. And it had been many years since I had actually actively studied it. It was I was very surprised at how quickly it came back on the low level. Right. Because high school, high school languages, you're not becoming fluent. And so my husband and I went down to Mexico for a vacation a couple of years ago, and I was actually able to talk a little bit, not, not a lot. And um, I found out too, this is another piece. I always, I like to research. So if somebody says something, I don't know the answer. I'm going to look it up and try to figure it out because I like to know. I don't like to not know. And I found out that Spanish speakers particularly speak 30% faster than English speakers. Mm. 
And so not only is it a new language, but they're much quicker on their delivery, much, much quicker. And so that's why oftentimes it can feel like, wait, I really do know Spanish. How come I can't understand what you're saying? <laughs> it's because we're not used to the the speed of, of speech that they have. So there's that to get used to as well. Is it only they speak faster in Spanish or in, in English too? That's a good question. I don't know. I haven't said now I'm going to have to go look that up. <laughs> Because I feel like I feel like I know a few folks, you know, from like with a Spanish background from Mexico or from Spain. And I feel like I'm not I do not know for sure, but I feel like they're also speaking faster in English. And also, right, you know, like thinking about that, I feel like it's just maybe faster communication. So right. it's like, yeah, it's 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 really very interesting what you are talking about. And I, I was always wondering, like, you know, why are some people are slower or why are some people like using more words, for example, for explaining love or any 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 other thing? And I'm like, they were just growing in this environment. So basically, and yeah, and also, you know, you told about Duolingo. So what I'm doing I'm I'm having like a few languages in parallel. It's not like I'm studying them like, you know, very, very much, but it's like it's Italian, Spanish, German, mm -hmm. Japanese, Latin. So but the funniest thing that I love to find, you know, connections between them. Uh -huh. And after understanding like what one word means in this language, like in the native language. Then I'm like, ah, that's what you mean when you're saying this word, because it, right? it totally makes a lot of sense. And, you know, sometimes people like, for example, in English, they can misuse words from other languages mm -hmm. and the meaning behind the word is totally different. And it's really good to understand, like, what is the beginning of this word? So exactly that root. And it's it's much easier because French, Italian, Spanish, English are all kind of from the same baseline. Um, there's a lot of similar commonalities. There's a lot of, a lot of similarities um, because they come from the same root. They're part of that romantic language grouping. And so it can be easier. German is, I guess German's probably not part of that. There's a funny video out there. If, if you guys haven't, if you haven't seen it, if, if the viewers haven't seen it, it's worth seeing. It's, um, it's just a short little video. There's three or four of them and they have, Uh, um, four or five language speakers and they'll say mm -hmm. a word in their language and they end with German and German always sounds yeah. like, you know, they're yelling at you. <laughs> you know, the words are not soft and melodic. They're very, you know, they've got a lot of consonants and a lot of that guttural kind of um, sound to it. And so it always sounds much harsher. So, you know, even, even the word butterfly, you know, it's so pretty in French and Spanish yeah. English and then it's German. <laughs> it sounds like it's a weapon of some sort. I don't know. Some kind of you know, by the way, it's so fun that you mentioned it because uh, I with my wife we thought exactly the same way before we went to Berlin. And it was so fun because I feel like it's something, you know, people from other countries, especially from Russia, are telling about German. Like it's 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 a crazy language, it's harsh, it sounds like like if, if they are swearing on you. But the funniest thing is that real native German speakers, they speak mm -hmm. so nice and kind and like it sounds very melodic, even though there are so hard words. And I was like, I was so impressed out of that. And then I was like, oh my God, why, 
why did they ever told us it, it sounds so hard and then it sounds amazing so yeah you know it's 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 also really very fun how i i totally understand what videos you are talking about and it's <laughs> it's really fun to watch them it's like oh it's nice nice <laughs> <laughs> exactly and they are you're right they're overemphasizing it but it is it is a a different language than french spanish and all of that because it does have yeah, a lot yeah. of sounds in it um and you're using a lot of the back of your throat to do a lot of the pronunciation which you don't necessarily do in the other languages so it can sound harsher but you're right if you're talking to somebody who's talking and yeah. not just saying words for you know for comedic effect um it's it doesn't sound as harsh but man it's hard to it's hard to wrap your mouth sometimes around some of those words um so that you sound so that you're saying things properly and not going crazy so you know not sounding not making up words because you know that's that's the other end you say a word and you think it's right and it's completely not a word at all in in the language you're trying to speak or it's a wrong word (laughs) yeah yeah i totally agree with you and you know from the conversations i had with you before i get this feeling that you are very calm person so tell me are you a calm person i can be i can be my (laughs) my um i think i'm calm in demeanor and reaction i don't think that i'm like i don't get super stressed out and like run around like a crazy person when crises happen i think i'm pretty good in a crisis um Mm. as far as my brain and my planning and things like that, that can be very chaotic. Um, my husband mm-hmm. calls me a tornado. Um, he thinks I'm a force <laughs> of nature, <laughs> but it's not because it. I have a lot of energy and um, I have a lot of energy. And so I have a lot of projects going on all at the same time. I have a lot of ideas. I have a lot of thoughts and plans, most of which include my husband. <laughs> it's like, hey, honey, I'm thinking that we need to build this which really means you build it and I'll help however I can. Um, and so, you know, it's it, like this, like the San Diego trip, we got up at, we were at the airport by what quarter to five in the morning. We came back at nine 30 at night and it was just mm. go, 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 go all the way in between. To me, that's a lot of fun. I think that's a blast. It's exhausting, right? It's um, you know, it's, it was a four, we had two flights each way because there wasn't a direct flight. So, you know, you're four hours in the air each direction. <laughs> um, mm. And then the day at the zoo running around a very large zoo and um, and stuff. But to me, that's fun to do. So I will plan the heck out of that, you know, had it all planned out, how we were going to get there, what we were going to see, all of the stuff. And um, yeah, so calm, calm in reactions. I think I don't tend to get super... Like my emotions don't swing hugely. I don't go from, you know, happy to screaming in three seconds flat or anything like that. But as far as what I do with my life, it is, it is very busy and there's lots of things going on all the time. So I don't know that you could call me really calm, (laughs) calm in certain situations. You never know. Yeah. You never know. And what can drive you nuts? Oh, I don't like what drives me crazy is, um, oh gosh, what does drive me crazy? Hmm. People who don't make decisions. And I don't mean people who need a little bit of time to make decisions. I'm talking about 
there's an idea, it's on the table, here's all the stuff to it, and there's just no movement. They just won't make a decision. They'll wrestle with it way too long, way, way, way too long because, you know, they don't want to make a mistake. Um, and so nothing gets done. I can't stand that. I've had to learn um, because I'm the type that when I have an idea, I think it through. It's like, yep, this will work. Let's go. We're done. That decision mm -hmm. is made. It is happening. And I've had to learn um, as I've worked and, and gotten older and understood kind of human dynamics that it is much more effective to pause a little bit and get people to come on board with you and then work together instead of, I called it mm -hmm. being a, a sled dog. And I've got a sled dog with a sled dog team, but none of the team knows what I'm doing. So I'm dragging not only the sled, but the team too. So I'm just, I'm just pulling everything. That's a lot slower. It's a lot harder. It's not effective. So I've, I've learned to kind of slow down a little bit and get people on board and get that buy-in so that we can all pull together. Um, but what drives me crazy is the sled dog who refuses to get up because he's just not sure it's the right direction. Or just don't want to take responsibility, you know, if something goes wrong. That's true too. That's There's all kinds of reasons why people have a hard time making decisions and it, it makes me crazy. It's like, look, we've talked about this. Um, my husband and I are into remodeling. We bought a foreclosure and we've done a lot of the work ourselves on this house. Mm -hmm. And um, it's new things, things we'd never done before. But it started with our last house. There was not a master bedroom, like a, you know, a bedroom with a bathroom attached to it. And we were going to sell. And as we talked, it was like, you know, I think it would sell better if it had a master suite, you know, if it had a walk-in closet in its own bathroom. So we planned it and measured and planned. And my husband does AutoCAD really well. So he designed it out. Mm. We measured 500,000 times. We looked at it to make sure it was going to work. Everything was good, but we'd never done anything like this before. We're knocking out walls. We're putting in new plumbing, new elect electrical. We're building new walls, all kinds of stuff that we'd never, ever done in our lives. And it's like, are we going to do this? Are we going to do this? Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, yeah. You know, I just want to make sure it's right. And it's like, it is right. We've measured it a billion times. It is right. So one night I took a hammer and I, I punched about 20 holes in the wall. My husband comes running in. He's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, got to start now. <laughs> and so we did, it. we did it and it worked, but it was just like, okay, it is time. And I'm not waiting anymore. We are good. I know that you're nervous about this. I get it, but we are good. We can do this. And so we just, I just made it to where we had to. You know, the funniest thing that even you didn't finish the sentence, but I only already imagined that it will finish with the hammer in the wall. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it, yeah, I, I am, I am the accelerator in our relationship. My husband is the brake. That is his analogy, not mine, but together we drive the car perfectly. Just sometimes he has to, he has to slow me down a little bit. And sometimes I have to speed him up a little bit. What was the craziest thing you've ever done? I've skydived. That's pretty crazy. Um, I guess maybe even just moving out here. I had a job coming out to Colorado, but my husband didn't yet. And he's the primary, you know, teachers don't make a lot of money. So we weren't going to be able to survive on just my salary. Um, 
when we were moving, we thought it was just us. At the time, my sister was going through a divorce, um, had kids involved. Calif uh, I don't know how it works in other countries, but in the States and particularly California, um, you cannot move out of state without permission from your mm -hmm. the other custodian, the other parent. And that was never going to happen. And so she had very young children, was a single mom now. And so my parents were going to stay and we're, we were a very, we're a very close family. Um, and so for my husband and I and our kids to move away 1400 miles, um, was difficult, but we just felt like it was what we needed to do. Um, which is very surprising because that's not, that's not how normally I am. Um, family is very important to me. And so we were going to move and my parents wanted to move out with us, but they just didn't feel like they could. They felt like they needed to be there to help my sister. And that was fine. And I told them, that's great. We'll come back and see you. You'll come out and see us. It'll be, it'll be good. And um, the Thursday before we left, we left on a Sunday. The Thursday before we left, she had a court date, just a normal you know, court date that happens when you're going through that mess. And she ended up getting full custody and could leave. And so within a few months, they were all out in Colorado. So when we had made all the plans, sold our house, did all the things, bought our house out here, it was just going to be my husband and I and our two kids. He didn't have a job. <laughs> I did, but it was a teaching job, which paid even less in Colorado than it did in California. Um, and we bought a house and just were walking out on faith that it was going to work out. And it ended up working out really well. He ended up getting a job within two weeks of being here. So it really didn't take very long for him to get resettled. And then my parents and my sister and her kids all moved out as well. So um, yeah, my parents bought their house we found it for them took pictures mm -hmm. this is 15 years ago took pictures sent them to costco <laughs> so that they could go and get them developed <laughs> and they bought the house without ever seeing it in person but we knew what they wanted in this and it was the absolute perfect house they had been looking and they couldn't find anything and we happened to find this and the first time they saw the house was after they signed papers and got the key and it was their house. And then they saw it <laughs> and they really, it was perfect. It's the perfect house for them. So those are some of the craziest things all kind of wrapped up into a few months. Yeah. And it feels like, you know, you just do something and then at the moment of doing, you understand, oh my God, it's so crazy. But then I feel like you love it. I do. I love chaos. <laughs> <laughs> I love doing new things and I have no problem, you know, trying out something new. And um, yeah, that's, it's fun for me. I think it's a lot of fun um, not to just be the, in the same place that you were 10 years ago. I like to, I like to push myself. You know, Heather, I really wish to have the sky is the limit to our conversation, but time is the limit. So let's jump to the rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Yes. Dog or cat? Both. <laughs> Control people doing stuff or do stuff yourself? Both. <laughs> I like both. <laughs> what are your favorite color and song? Favorite color is green. And my favorite song. Ah, I don't know that I have a favorite song. Um, oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm horrible at thinking of songs. 
or artists or names off the cuff. I don't know, probably um, Material Girl from Madonna. It's my favorite song to sing along with. If you were a superhero, what superpower would you have? I think it would be the ability to time travel. Who do you learn from in the community world? Just name one person. One person. That is so hard. That is so hard. <laughs> And it's a rapid um, fire question. I know, I know. That's super hard. Um, I'd have to say Richard Millington. He was probably one of the biggest people um, that I found right from the very start. And, mm -hmm. you know, we've read his books and he puts out so many how-tos. Like, it's not just here's a thought. It's here's a thought and here's what it looks like in practice. So, yep. Name two people who I should definitely reach out and have this community life conversation with. Ah, yes. I would say Famia from our Between the Water Coolers. She's got a very interesting story and a very interesting, um, even just from the pictures she posts on LinkedIn, some pretty fascinating things that are going on. And then um, who else would be great to have on there? Again, you're putting me on the spot with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Have you had Lori Gold Goldberg on here? Okay. Some of them, I've seen a number of them, but I haven't seen all of them. So I'm not sure who you, okay. Well, that you said rapid fire. So that was my, rapid yeah, exactly. Fire. I feel, I feel like, I feel like we had a conversation with Laurie a year ago or something like that. So it was like, I feel like it was forever ago. Is there one question that I definitely should have asked you, but didn't? I think we cover, I, like you said, there's probably a million of things. because there's a lot, there's a lot. Um, but I think you covered a pretty hefty amount, especially since we weren't talking about community. Yeah, exactly. You know, that, that's the, the funniest part. Like it's, it's the funniest and the hardest part not to talk about community because community is everywhere, everything all at once. Still, you know, it's, it's all about you. So thank you very much for this conversation. Thank you very much for your sense of humor. And for a lot of fun and a lot of, you know, really great answers. And I can totally, even without like, you know, getting to know you in person, I can feel your energy right through the screen and like through this conversation. So thank you very much for sharing your energy also. Well, thank you for having me on. It was a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun and funny to think back and try to answer questions that aren't ones that I think about all the time. So it's, it's, It's fun. One of these days we're going to have to, I know that you were on another person's podcast, but we'll have to do this podcast in reverse. We'll have to find somebody and you'll be in the hot seat. I was already four times, but if you all, if you want to do it, you can always <laughs> do it. You know, just, just tell me the date and I will be ready to answer your questions. There you go. Yeah. We'll, we'll have a panel of people to ask you questions. <laughs> I have fun. a feeling it'll take a bunch of us to get to who you really are get to the root of Yuri. It would be fun. And yeah, thank you very much and see you in the community world. Thank you. Bye. And thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, hit the like button or five stars and share it with your friend. That's it. We're done. See you in the next episode.